It's finally time. It's time to chase Jill LaRue's. Chasing Jelleru is a podcast focused on women's football. I'm your host, Big T, a lifelong Tigers fan who has found himself with a Newcastle Knights membership. And with me is a lady waiting impatiently for the season to start, but patiently on the Zoom call. Mary Kay, how are you, legend? I'm doing really, really well, Big T. And we are recording this on the 31st of January. So I'm very excited that tomorrow is February and I can officially say footy is back this month. <laughs> yes, okay. And uh, I also appreciate that you said that because we should have time date the last time we did one because, of course, we've already started this podcast. Uh, we started <laughs> it last year. Um, did you Have you got your Eels membership? Did that come last year, this year? Is that What's happening with that? So I've absolutely got my Eels membership, which is super exciting. So I now have one for the men and for the women. Amazing. But in even more exciting news, Big T, um, I'm part of the Parramatta Eels NRLW Advisory Committee and there are about six women on that committee and we have decided to come together and we are actually sponsoring one of the players for the season. So I am so excited um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm lost for words. So hold on, let me just go through this here. You've got two memberships, you're part of an advisory board and you're officially a sponsor of one of the players. That's an incredible start to your year. It's only January and you've already done so much. Well, I mean, Big T, I feel like the thing with women's sport is it's very easy to talk the talk. I feel like you've got to walk the walk if you've got the ability to. So these six women and I, we've come together, we're going to support a player and we're really excited about just being able to show a little bit more support for our team and for the competition that means so much to us. Well, it's made my news about becoming a financial NRLW member for the Newcastle Knights news a little less impressive because you... But not at all, (laughs) Not at all because everyone does their part, right? And when people say to me, what can I do to support women's football? Well, getting a membership is great, but get your bum on a seat or just turn the television on. Like there are really easy, simple steps that we can all take Not everyone needs to be a platinum sponsor. Not everyone needs to be a member. But just do what you can to support the competition and these incredible women. It's going to be a great year. You're already firing me up. Tell me um, about, speaking of being fired up, tell me about your whole emotional roller coaster that was uh, the postponement of last season. Well, sorry, this season. How long have you got, Big T? How long (laughs) have you got? It's an hour-long podcast. Go for it. (laughs) Okay, so... I feel like the sad reality of where we were last year is that there was no other option other than to postpone the competition. And it makes me extremely sad to say that, Big T, but the reality is even if the NRL had been willing to put the money up to put these women into a hub, 
I don't think it is okay to ask women to relocate from their homes, from their families and from their jobs into a hub for a six-week competition when they are not paid like full-time professional athletes. That just, it doesn't sit okay with me. And we can look at other sporting leagues and other elite women's teams, like the Australian women's cricket team. They are full-time professionals. If we talk about the AFLW players, they are not. It makes me uncomfortable that these women exist in financial insecurity, essentially, for our entertainment. Well, that's a terribly like very truth serum way of saying it as well, just for our entertainment. And I wanted you to know that I was pouring you a drink through Zoom. It sounded like a drink pouring slowly slide kind of conversation because so many drinks. <laughs> well, I appreciate problems. that. Yeah, and look, it's, it is uncomfortable. Like there was an uncomfortable situation and, and it was well put by you. How did the players respond? I mean, they're in the situation, right, where you and I can, can pontificate about how challenging it is, but a lot of those women were living that and were seeing the decisions being made by people who weren't, but they didn't have any control over. So how was their reaction? We saw some pretty big reactions, Big T, and we saw some players very, very outspoken and extremely disappointed about the NRL's decision. Mm. I guess one of the things that some of the players pointed to was, and I don't have the exact details on this, but a poll that was done asking the players sort of what option they'd be willing to do. Would they be willing to relocate? Would they be willing to postpone? And some players pointed to the fact that, I don't know, 60 65% were willing to relocate. The reality is, Big T, in a competition like the women's that we've got now, that's not enough. Like if you relocate 65%, that's another 35% of players that we have to find. Where are these players coming from? Do we have the depth to even be able to make that option viable? And I suppose, Big T, when I think about some of the big reactions, we heard Kennedy Charrington from the Parramatta Reels speak. We saw Millie Boyle speak. We saw Ali Brigginshaw speak. I wonder whether it was the postponement itself or whether it was potentially the way it was communicated. Because, Big T, you and I can have a conversation here and I can say, Big T, I think that the Parramatta Eels are going to win the 2023 Premiership. Mm-hmm. You say to me, Mary, I don't think so for these reasons. I say, Big T, I disagree with you, but I know where you're coming from. I respect your position. Let's agree to disagree. I wonder if that conversation was hard mm-hmm. or whether the players just heard we're postponing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that says to them, you're not important, you're not valued, you haven't been part of the decision-making process. I don't know what that process looks like, but I think going forward, the Rugby League Players Association needs to play a bigger role. And as I understand it, the women are becoming more involved with the Players Association at a delegate level and also at a club level. Because it also came off the back, and I don't want to keep hashing horrible rugby league memories, but it came off the back as well of our World Cup being postponed and yes. and the NRL was saying that they didn't want to send the men, but there was all this conjecture of if we were still going to send wheelchair or, or women and that, that whole thing also blew up in a lot of people's faces. So a difficult way to end the year, particularly as you say, because it seemed like maybe the right but hard decisions were being made. It was just maybe the communication or the process that was the challenge or the thing that really upset a lot of the key stakeholders. The other thing, Big T, that we need to think about heading into this season is, as a footy fan, I am P-U-M-P-E-D. I hope that's spelled pumped. I am pumped. (laughs) 
we've got an NRLW season, like a Can month I just away. Pause you there, I don't think I've ever spelled anything and then also not thought, I hope that's how I spell that thing because I don't know how to spell. I don't know if you did spell it right. I hope you did. But just saying, just oh saying what gosh. I think all the time was perfect. Thank you for that. We've got an NRLW season about to kick off. We've then got our men's season to kick off. We'll have State of Origin in the middle for both the men and the women. Then we'll have another NRLW season. We'll have the oh, 2022 damn. season. And then we're heading to the UK for a World Cup. Now, as that. a fan, I am excited because that means that basically from February to November, we are going to have footy. <laughs> it's wall to wall. But it is. But if you are a female player, that is more footy scheduled in one year than has ever been scheduled. So we need to carefully think about how we are going to manage and care for these women, not just physically, but also from a, we were talking about how they're not full-time professional athletes, how they manage their work commitments too. Because Big T, you and I, we work full-time, we get four weeks leave. Four weeks leave, that's not even enough to cover the World Cup at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And also to... But we talked about how they're kind of bookending that, that men's season, but that's not true at all. There's a New South Wales and Queensland comps that run all through the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where my West Tigers shine and, and the Helensburg Tigers and all those excellent teams. So they're playing almost February through to November as well, like almost nonstop. A lot of those players, the top tier ones, and, and, and quite rightly while working, as you said, sorry, quite rightly, they're all working. So that's really hard on their bodies and their families and whatever situation they're in, their housemates, it sure is. It's a lot to ask, Victor. Mm. I think about the Helensburg Tigers. So they are not going to be competing in the Harvey Normans Women's Premiership this year. Oh, no. They stepped up that. last year. Yeah, they, they've made the decision to withdraw. Oh. If I think about the Helensburg Tigers, and we won't go too long into this because we're just going down rabbit holes, there were women travelling from Nowra yeah. to Helensburg and then playing Monday night footy at the New South Wales Centre of Excellence. What a time commitment. Yeah. Do you imagine how you feel for work on Tuesday? Yeah. And they've got to train, right? Like they're, they're also training Absolutely. during the week. Yeah. yeah. It was incredible. I love those games. I love those girls. What a shame. I didn't know that. That's, that's heartbreaking, which is also just real proof that I had some time off over the summer where I didn't look at any socials and now I'm learning sad but wonderful truths about rugby league through you. Speaking of wonderful truths, let's talk about some of your bold predictions. The NRLW season for 2021 happening 2022. <sighs> Is it Parramatta? Like you, that sigh before you even said it, it sounded like you may be believing, like like real believing, like hope belief that's actually going to kill you. Is, is that something that's happening? So, no. Although oh. the other night I was thinking about maybe the reason Parramatta in the men's hasn't won a competition since 1986 is because we were waiting for the stars to align and we're going to become the first club to do the double. double. That's mm. insane. I realise that's insane. I think the thing with predictions, Big Ten, the reason I sighed is because COVID is going to play a really big impact in this season. So even though I can look at the squads and tell you who I think is strong, it's all going to come down to that. I mean, I had an interview scheduled with one player from the Newcastle Knights this week, messaged her to check in. I'm sorry, Mary, I can't chat this week. I've got COVID. And that's going to be the reality for this season, Big T. And we were talking about sacrifice before and how much of a load these women bear. A couple of weeks ago, the NRL came out with some guidelines for the men's competition. So they may have changed because the situation, of course, is ever-evolving. But the conversation we were having four weeks ago was that the male players were not allowed to go into indoor venues, so no cafes, no movies, no pubs, 
shopping centres nothing and that for them to have a visitor to their home, the visitor would need to undergo a rat test. So a lot of talk about how, well, the players are vaccinated. This is a lot. They haven't been in bubbles for two years to suddenly be under more restrictions. I feel like the conversation was lost that these apply to the women as well. Mm. And we spoke before about these are women that have to work. So even if you give them an exemption to work, they're still going to indoor venues. Like the risk is still there. It just, again, seems like a lot. But I think... It's going to be interesting. I mean, we've watched the AFLW play out. We've seen games relocated, games postponed. We haven't seen any games cancelled yet because I think the AFLW was really committed to crowning a premier. But the teams are going to have to be very, very nimble leading into this season. So you're seeing Paramount undefeated or Paramount on the close <laughs> one? With- <laughs> I think. Hey, look, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count them out. I think the thing is, Big T, as well, that. You've got new teams coming in. So you've got Parramatta, Newcastle and the Titans. Because the competition's so short, like when you've got new combinations in the men's game, it sometimes takes a couple of weeks to click. They don't have that luxury. Mm. You lose your first two games, that's it. Mm. That's it. But from all accounts, I got to go out to Parramatta Eels and RLW training on Saturday. <laughs> the women are really happy. They're enjoying themselves. They're connected. We've got some real talent in that team. But there's real talent across the competition. And I think just one other thing I want to highlight is that I think Newcastle are really flying under the radar, potentially because they have so many women from New Zealand in their team. Uh, that team is fierce. Just because we don't know them as well doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're not going to be as strong. Mm. And one thing I know about uh, women's football in Newcastle is that it is deep. And so they have touch and and their rugby programs are all run by full-time coaches they invested their club invested in, in putting coaches in there that will be paid full-time and they stick around for everyone's game they have a really clear pathway excellent communicating through all stages all coaching and so there would be heaps of people there that we don't know the name of yet that have been doing an excellent job in Tasha Gale and things like that that are just primed for an opportunity like this particularly if some of the Brisbane Broncos go down with with COVID and then they get a small mm. sniff of a win those girls will take it so it's an exciting time I'm also I've also got Newcastle as my smoky I love the look of them I like the the whole town as a vibe when it comes to football I think that could be great and I know that one of those weekends they're having all of the games I think is one of the things in McDonald Jones Stadium so that'll be such a great opening day. round yeah opening right. round I'm, so I'm ready to go however my friend Ali Briggenshaw and I were chatting the other day at the airport I don't know if I was telling you about this <laughs> where I uh, ran into her and she uh, and she just looks so good like even now it's, she's mm-hmm. in off season or whatever she's just been through Christmas I look tw- I'm a big guy and I already <laughs> feel huge like it's just carried everywhere um, but she just looks incredible and I couldn't help telling her that she was a goat. Like, I just found myself talking at her. The poor lady was trying desperately, I'm sure, to get away from me. But uh, that she was a goat. She really loved much, it. How much I hate Brisbane, but just she's so good. And uh, and so, really, my money, if I had to put money on it, would definitely still be with Brisbane. Any team she's on, I'd put money on them. And mm-hmm. then Newcastle um, there. So, so are you agreeing then that it might be Newcastle Parramatta finals? Or what, if you had to throw two names in the ring... I'm going to throw Brisbane's name out there mm, because mm. I think it's just the easy guess and they've been so dominant. They've been together so long. They're going to pick up where they left off, I feel, whereas some of the other new teams might need a little bit more time to gel. And you know what? What the hell? New year, new me. Parramatta can be in there too. Why yes. not? Why the okay. hell not? 
And then are you thinking uh, Bete Walsh as the Dally M, as the fullback, fullback of the Eels, or have you got Ali B throwing in there? Or what? I mean, we could do the easy guess with Ali B, but... I have to make her opt-in. Okay, yep. To make her opt-in, I think, has demonstrated over a number of years how talented she is. And when we saw her in Women's State of Origin was it last year, I can't even remember. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. so many things moved, postponed here, there. Um, she's just a jet, and I can see her having real impact for the Brisbane Broncos. But, hey, I wouldn't say no to Bo Betty Welsh. Mm, yes. Well, um, excitingly, we've partnered up with a fantastic team for this NRLW season. I think I told you about it, Mary. It's the Elite Nutrition Co. Jess is our girl. She's, uh, she's going to be the muscle behind some of the great online resources for athletes, which are actually are tailored to footballers. You're going to hear her story and um, Chloe's story in just a sec because I had a chance to talk to Chloe about their amazing business before the season was postponed. So some of it might sound a, a touch uh, weird now that, you know, we've had 700 COVID cases since then. Uh, but <clears throat> also over that time, Chloe uh, has moved into state and so their business has pivoted a little bit, but that's not really our business or that anyone cares. They still do a great job. So Jess is super excited about being part of Chasing Jillaroos. Um, and so we're just about to hear from, uh, sorry, hear about Jess and Chloe in their amazing story. Uh, but before we go to that interview, because just a quick spoiler, Chloe worked with Parramatta. There's my eyebrows flicking up and down. I'm not sure if anyone can hear that at the moment. It's wobbling my Bowman Tigers hat up and down. Uh, but before we go to that, um, Mary, is there anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so, Big T. The only thing I would add is that my NRLW coverage is starting this week. I'll be writing for The Raw and I'll be writing for Siren Sports. So I'll be sure to be sharing all those stories with all of you. But I think if you're a fan of the NRLW, there is a role for you, whether it's watching on TV, getting out to a game, getting a membership. So I just encourage all of you to get involved because it's going to be a great season and these women have worked really hard under pretty tight restrictions. So let's watch them give it everything they have. Sitting on the phone with me today is an advanced science dietitian, a respected blogger, a co-owner of the Health Performance Collective and mother of two adorable girls, also an ex-neighbor, Chloe McLeod. <laughs> Welcome to Chasing Dillaroos. Thank you, Big T. Um, I'm really excited to be on the podcast today. Yeah, okay. And uh, and also, we weren't we weren't big teeing each other when um, when we were neighbors, so I'm, I'm very uh uh, thank you for, for being able to fix that. <laughs> now, you're new to Rugby League, uh, only really adopting a team in the last three years. Um, but surprisingly, that freshness hasn't dampened your love. And uh, you and I were talking earlier in the week. You're quite chipper. Everyone's going to hear how much you have. It's such a, a lovely laugh and, and cheery disposition. But your team, the Eels, sometimes drags it down a bit. You're feeling okay at the moment, though, probably. Yeah, we had a good win on the weekend. Um, yeah, so that nice to be coming off the back of a win. Last couple of games of the season are, are going to be tough, but um, I'm feeling positive. Yeah, I'm feeling positive yeah. about going well in the finals and making the whole way. You're feeling positive that you won't be embarrassed. What are you feeling positive about? Um, well, we're, cer we're certainly not going to be where we were my first season with them. So it's all, yes. all a positive if we compare it to that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think they're going to do really well this year. There. Like, there's a really good group of guys. Um, yeah, it's great. And the coaching staff? Are yeah, they um, the leadership group? 
They are. So I'm I'm not on the ground there at the moment yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. of um, little girl number two. Um, we've got my, my lovely colleague, Kelsey, working on the ground in there at the moment. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I've I've always felt and like felt really lucky to be a part of the the staff there and the coaching staff and the performance department staff. Everyone's um, both really lovely and really excellent at what they do for their jobs. So um, yeah, it's they're a, they're a good crew. Now I love people, and and when I meet them for the first time, asking them how they came about their team. Um, and so I've asked that to hundreds of people. But you have one of the most <laughs> unique ways of finding your team. Um, can, can you tell me about how you ended up becoming a, a Parramatta fan and take as long as you want because it's such a great story. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So I'm, I'm not a Sydney sider originally. I grew up in country South Australia and, and there there's, there was AFL and um, netball and, and hockey and that was about it. So rugby league wasn't a thing where I grew up and even when I then moved to Adelaide to go to uni, um, it wasn't really a big thing. It was, you know, you sort of went for the Crows or Port. That was about it. They were your options. Um, so it wasn't until I moved to Sydney about nine and a half years ago that I really started to be exposed to rugby league and, you know, seeing it on the TV and hearing people talk about it and you know it's a it's a much bigger deal here than it was when I lived further south and when I moved to Sydney I um, was a dietitian but I wasn't yet a sports dietitian and the the second weekend weekend that I lived here I went down to Canberra and um, at that time you had to do a, a training course at the AIS and um, so I did this training course met my now business partner Jess at this course and um, you know, I'm like, gosh, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> and, um, you know, jump forward a few years and, um, I've been working with the Eels for, um, the past four seasons, whether it was me on the ground or, or as I mentioned, Kels before, um, she's on the ground there for me now. Um, and yeah, I'm going to say I, I didn't have a team before I started working there, um, <laughs> which I'm not sure I'm really allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as I said, grew up with AFL being the, the main football code that I was exposed to. So, um, I think it's really awesome that I was able to go in, into the club with a really clean set slate, no expectation, no like, oh, I kind of want, you know, this other team to win or anything like that. It was, mm. oh, it's always just been, like, from when I started there, it was, I'm here to help everyone perform well and, and make sure everyone's dotting the I's, crossing the T's when it comes to their nutrition. Um, but I think like with anything, when you start to feel a part of the community and start to feel a part of the team, um, I'm going to say I'm going to be an Eagles fan for life now, I think. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just want to also, that, I mean, it could have gone the other way, right? Like you could have worked with them for a period of time and then gone, I actually don't like the way that they run things or I don't like um, the way that they, you know, their values or their focus. And so it, it does speak to them that, that that was a good organization to work with and that you've kept that relationship with them for a couple of years. Yeah, certainly. And as I mentioned before, I feel really fortunate, um, the coaching staff and the performance staff and, you know, the, you know, the staff on the other side as well, the, all the commercial people and everything, um, as well as the players, of course. I, I just I feel really fortunate um, that there's such a great um, team mentality, community mentality, um, 
And um, like I remember when I called my mum up to tell her that I was going to be working in a rugby league club and yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, you know, can't let lady who grew up in the country and, you know, you tend to not get the great rugby league stories on the news in country South Australia. Mm. And um, so, you know, she was like, oh, well, you know, just be safe. And, you know, and, <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, mum. Yeah, she's right now. I mean, I'm with her. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, and um, but no, I've yeah, as I said, been really, really fortunate. Never, never had anything like like what anything close to. I'm going to stop talking now. There's still happens in and outside of the game, and yeah, and you haven't had to bear witness or be part of any of that. No, that is great. Not in not in the slightest, which is really great. So, um, yeah. But your your sports dietitian. Um, hasn't been limited uh, to just rugby league though, right? Like you guys have also, I think reading somewhere, that you guys have also had uh, some ties in or worked with other sports and other and other teams. Is that right? Yeah, so um, my business partner, Jess, who I mentioned before, she's um, been at the um, GWS Giants for the past eight seasons. Wow. And um, over, over the past few years, um, our our business, Health and Performance Collective, has um, had contracts with the Wanderers, the Waratahs, the Sharks, and um, the Kings as well. So whether that's been that's been I, I've been at um, Parramatta, and she's done more of the other sport teams, or or some of our staff have um, been working with some of those teams as well, which has been really cool. So yeah, yeah. So that I mean, it just speaks to how much you guys would know different body types or different needs or or things like that, and then how how to best perform those people. Yeah, and I think it's one of the parts of nutrition that I personally find really fascinating in that um, depending on what sport the individual is playing and, and even their position in the sport, their nutrition needs can be hugely, hugely different. Wow. And, um, it's, you know, if you're a Ford, as an example, then you're somebody who, you know, you don't want their body fat levels to be dropping too low. They need to be carrying a little bit of extra on them um, versus a back who needs to be a little bit more nimble, a little bit more quick. Um, because their body composition needs are quite different, that means that then nutritional needs are then going to be quite different. So when you're looking at what you might be prescribing to a player and, and working through with them, um, there can be some really different things, which is really fun as well. Make, keeps it interesting for us. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've also just had an, a vision pop in in my head about after a game you often look at the change rooms and they're all smashing pizzas or things like that am i imagining that or does sure. that sometimes happen? yeah talk me it through that, that are they breaking your yeah. rules or is that no way the- so there's i think there's a couple of things there so if you look at look at the pure science um what do you need after a game so you need protein and carbohydrates um and fluid so generally water um as your main things to help your body to recover optimally after a game so there's different foods which are going to provide you with that so um you know your protein foods are more of like your meat type um things and your carbs are more like your your bread and your pasta and all that sort of stuff and then you know we all know where water comes from um <laughs> but <laughs> um but also you know i think the other side of it is what is a player actually going to be happy to eat after a game because if you went like the strict healthy thing that's really going to science-wise tick all the boxes they're probably not going to want to sit down and eat it whereas um it's really easy to grab a slice of pizza you know, or half a pizza or a whole pizza in some of the boys' <laughs> cases, you know, it's really easy to grab that and smash it down. And, yeah, okay. you know, 
it's giving them the carbohydrate they need. You know, I didn't mention salt. It's giving them the salt that they need that they've been that they've lost in their sweat. Um, and you know, usually there's a bit of meat on those pizzas, so it's it's giving them their protein, a bit of their protein. They all have a protein shake after the game as well, anyway, really? um, just to help with that recovery side of things. Um, so really, the pizza is a vessel for the carbs as a way of helping them get the carbs and the overall calories that they need in, um, in a way that they enjoy. Because most of them, you know, there's obviously not everyone's um, doing the right thing all the time, unfortunately, but, you know, we're all human. Um, But most of them do really well the majority of the time. And so having something like a pizza, it's, you know, better to provide them with that than give them something which would be textbook healthy and then have everyone stop off and get, you know, a Macca's family meal for themselves on the way home. So um, which is not really, and and I say Macca's, you know, insert whatever burger place with all the chips and with all the soft drink. And then it's it comes down to a timing factor as well in that if they're having that straight after the game, it helps with that recovery way more effectively than having a little bit of something or nothing because you don't like what's there. And then, you know, in a week, um, not in a week, sorry, end of the day, I'm tired. <laughs> um, in like a couple of hours, once they're finally on their way home, they're like, yeah, I'm going to stop off. And, you know, there's like that bucket of soft drink as well as the chips and, and everything mm. else. And they're just not getting it in at the right time. So mm. yeah, much prefer get it, get it in straight away, have something that they enjoy. And, um, you know, gives you, gives you a few brownie points with them in other aspects as well. When you are yeah. like, I need you to do this. They can see that you're, that you're reasonable as well. And that you get it. Like you don't want to sit down to, you know, your chicken and rice after, after you've played a game. Like yeah. you want to have something that's easy to eat and that's super tasty. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah. makes heaps of sense. Yeah. Um, I love talking to an expert about things. This is great. This made this painting an easy picture. <laughs> now, um, most practitioners are sole traders, but you keep talking about Jess. Why did you guys choose a partnership? Yeah, so most most dietitians in general, but I think particularly sports dietitians, do tend to be sole traders, so working on their own. And it, so it's really common to see someone doing a few days a week at a club and then a few days a week in private practice or, or some form of combination of that. And we, Jess and I, really felt that we could create something better um, in both in a, a service provision perspective to whether it's individual clients that we work with, whether it's the sports teams that we work with, or if it's the the businesses that we work with from a, a wellness program side of things. And, you know, two heads are better than one. Um, it's, you know, a good way to think about it. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to have someone to be able to bounce um, different ideas off. It's nice to have somebody to, you know, tell you to like, no, nah, that one's just not going to fly, <laughs> you know, pull each other up as well. Um, but it's it's allowed us to have the ability to, to move into different areas and as well and something that we're both quite passionate about is giving opportunities to other dietitians who are coming through the ranks as well. And, um, you know, we were both lucky enough in, in various instances to to get really great opportunities in different um, parts of our career. And, you know, we both also really enjoy working with with other dietitians as well um, and other health professionals as well. So being able to, 
you know, I've mentioned Kelsey a couple of times as well, have her on board and be do an absolutely stellar job um, looking after the boys the last couple of seasons has been absolutely amazing. Um, when, when I haven't been able to be on the ground because of having a family. So um, it's been absolutely awesome to, to be able to provide that opportunity to another dietitian. And, you know, um, I look at some of the other girls in our team, lots of dietitians are girls. I'm not saying it because, you know, <laughs> um, but um, we've got a really great team now who help us and uh, are creating really great careers for themselves um, in both private practice in um, corporate well-being and wellness as, as well as the sports side of things. So, yeah, it's um, it's lots of fun. Also, re- thinking about it now, it would be harder for you to take on people if it was just you by yourself. But because there's two of you, I guess as a business model, it feels more natural to be able to then take more people on and grow it because it's already a team and so the team just grows rather than it's just me and then yeah, I'm trying to so. bring someone in. Yeah. I think so, and that's that's always been the goal of it as well. Like um, we're quite conscious of um, it sometimes being a little bit the Chloe and Jess show um, on on the socials, and um, so we've actually been trying really hard when we, like for example, um, we did a pitch to a large business recently um, to do their corporate wellbeing for the coming year and every single one of the dietitians in our team featured in that pitch because wow. we wanted to make it really clear that, um, you know, whilst we're the ones who started the business, um, we're not the only ones there and everyone who's on board is a hugely valued member of our team who is also really, really good at what they do. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's cool to be able to provide um, opportunities like that to, to others. So though you're the Clint Gutherson and she's the Mitchell Moses, you know, there's a whole team of paramedics <laughs> coming, coming to help. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, you're obviously an Eels fan and I know Jess, has she now become a Sharks fan? Because I know she was working with the Sharks for a long time as well. Yeah, no, no. So Jess, um, she she grew up in, in that neck of the woods and she oh, was right. a Sharks fan from day dot. So I think okay. when, when she started there, it was a, a bit of a dream come true um sort of situation and um yeah yeah, she was she was lucky enough to be working with the sharks when they won their premiership as well so um yeah i know that was um a really really special moment for her in her career she would have been saying pizzas all around i'm sure that no from the diet i think there was double pizzas all around (laughs) (laughs) and you uh and you started with the eels when they're in the wooden spoon year when which is i think what you were alluding to before when you said that you know, you started it when they were low, but here, but here you are. You're, you know, one of the direct things that we can see what started at that time and then how we got better. Well, it's, it's I'm just going to take nutrition. that one. Yeah, for sure. So, but, but thinking about your roles um, in rugby league for the last few years, what, what do you think you've learned about sports nutrition since taking them on? Because obviously you came in as an expert, but uh, in, in everyday life, you, you, you're learning and growing. So what do you think you've learned over that time working with Parramatta or the Sharks or whoever? Yeah, so I think looking at, at my experience working with, particularly with rugby league, is um, sort of leave your science and leave your expectations at the door a little bit. And it's about looking at what can we practically do to help. So yeah. um, as an example, um I remember in 
it would have been in my first season um, that I was was at the Eels. And one of the players coming to me because um, he was um, needing to, to make some changes to, to improve his body composition. And um, one of the things that I was sort of expecting was like, there's probably going to be, you know, if we look at, you know, sort of general science brain, there's probably going to be some you know, poor nutrition practices happening sort of across the board and that, like, he's probably just, you know, making that stop at Macca's on the way home from a game. And I remember being really surprised that um, whilst that's certainly happening, um, it also was almost going the other way at certain times as well in that um, he'd maybe find it difficult to eat breakfast before an early training session, so wasn't going into a session um, as well fueled as he should have been, um, and then maybe not eating as well as he, as as much as he should have been at the midday meal. Again, because of that feeling of like, oh, I need to oh, to be losing right. a bit of weight and that sort of thing. And um, I think that's something that I maybe wasn't really expecting to see in this particular setting. Um, and so it was. I know for myself, it was really w- rewarding to go. Okay, well, whilst this isn't what I was expecting to see and whilst we're certainly not going to be sitting down and creating a perfect meal plan for you, like, you know, here's some really easy practical strategies like, you know, have an up and go on a banana on your way to training and then by the time you get on the field, then you it's going to be digested and you're going to be good to go and just making like small little changes that, that like, you know, that's an example that we then built on over time Um you know, throughout that that time period that I was working with him, um, we got some really, really awesome changes in relation to his body composition and and how he was playing. And and I think for me, working in sports dietetics, it's when you can help people in that way that I find I personally find the most rewarding because um, a they can really tangibly see like, oh my goodness, what I actually matters. Right. Um, but also being able to then see the the performance benefit that it can have as well is also really awesome too. So, um, yeah, that's probably would be the biggest um, thing. And that's just one example of where you can see that, like, you know, just making little changes can can have a, a really big impact, but also not expecting that everyone's going to be like a master chef and be doing things exactly right before you see them just because they're playing elite sport. So, mm. Yeah. So, so first thing I want to pick up is there must there was almost like a I almost got a warm and fuzzy feeling in that just because you're right you would be able to see over a period of a month or something these people who have really dedicated their entire lives up to this point to perfecting this craft and then you can help them you know significantly help them with a part part of that that must make them feel and you oh, feel yeah. so great to, that they take a big Certainly. leap in their career. Certainly. So. And, and I think nutrition is one of the aspects that um, maybe a lot of people underrate in, yeah. in how impactful it can be. Because if you get it wrong, then like you can like you can still play. Like you know, it's not. It, it's a pretty significant situation of getting your nutrition wrong if it's stopping you from getting on the field. But if you get it right um, in the, like, the other direction, mm. maybe it can actually help you to get on the field. So mm. um, if that makes sense. So, you know, yeah. if you're somebody who's already 
you know, really lucky that you're naturally talented and, you know, you've worked hard and maybe you're not nailing nutrition, but you're already on the field. But if you're not that naturally talented person, you've got to work that extra bit hard, then maybe it can help you get on there. But for both people, it's it's going to elevate your performance when you get it right. So if, you know, take that naturally talented player get their nutrition right and you've got a superstar on your hands. Yeah, you're um, unlocking something new. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and I just think it it's so awesome when you can see a player recognise that, grab it with both hands and then when you can watch them playing and you're like, yeah, that's, that's been so helpful for them. That's really rewarding. Right. And I would imagine that uh, in that field, There'd be heaps of miseducation. I mean, in day, in daily life, people would feel like they, oh, that they know what it is and what they should be doing. But then when they actually have an expert tell them, if you're burning this much calorie, you want to run like this, you're going to do this. You need to, yeah. you need to be told, yeah, you need particular things. Certainly. And I mean, athletes are people too. Like, you know, you hear fad diets and, yeah, right. you know, I remember when that, um, what was the documentary? When um, Game, was it Game Changers? That vegan documentary. Um, there was this vegan Netflix doc- documentary and I, I remember watching it and being like, I wonder how many people are going to ask me about this. Yeah. And, yeah, like it was um, like it was suddenly everyone was like, oh, maybe maybe I might try being vegan. Let me. Let me. Um, and no one actually was. It was just, oh, I might, might. Look at look into this yeah, same as, as like diet, keto but, yeah. or fasting mm. or any of the other ones which have been popular in the recent years. Um, but as well, I think that's why it's so important to have good relationships with the players, so that you know their girlfriends telling them, oh, "I'm going on a low carb diet." They come and talk to you about it, and you can explain to them why why just because their girlfriend's on a low carb diet doesn't mean that you should be. And mm. let you know you're an athlete; you need to eat your carbs. Um, mm. And it's about timing them around your, your your sessions and all that sort of stuff. And so helping to educate them so that they can understand so that when they're then getting fed stuff, you know, from Instagram, from their friends and their family and, you know, everyone who's, you know, the armchair expert who's, you know, all of that advice is coming from a place of love and care generally. Um, but it's often not correct and yeah. you know, as i said players are people too and so they can can be easily influenced by those who they care about so ensuring that they come to you with those things is really important now <clears throat> i mean covid's i mean you had a family which affected obviously you being face to face covid's also would have affected the business to a point but like everyone it's had some good bits for people's businesses um, and and of course businesses have had to pivot a bit um, what's, what's been your upside of COVID if, you, if you've got one for the business? Um, so one of the upsides of COVID for the business is it meant that um, because we ended up with a bit more time on our hands than we were expecting to have um, <laughs> because we um, we none of us could be on the ground at the sports teams that we'd been working with. Um we created a series of ebooks. So we've got um, fundamentals of sports nutrition, as well as um, there's we've got an NRL specific ebook, um, yeah. AF, an AFL ebook, AFLW ebook. So for more specific for the female players, um, as well as uh, a bunch of other sports as well. And 
um, they've been created. Um, so there was there was a version that was created for um, the teams that we work with, and yeah. then there was a, a, a separate, different version that we created that we were then able to sell um, ourselves. And so it's been a really cool addition to um, the the HPC suite of products, I suppose that that we have available because. Um, it means that we've been able to take our knowledge and, you know, put it in a in an electronic form and, and make it available for, for anyone who's interested. So if anyone's interested, then um, head over to our website, healthandperformancecollective.com. Shameless plug right there. No, no, please. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing um, I was doing it before COVID um, is online consults. Mm. Um but I think the beauty of COVID is that now there was a lot of people who were not open to doing an online session, whereas now most people are. And so um, all of the dietitians in our team who see clients individually now see people online. Um, two of the girls do some in-person sessions still, but um, the majority of it is all um, online sessions. And um, it, I think... To me, like I, I know when when I'm seeing individuals, it means that the person's arriving much less stressed because they haven't been in a car, searching for a car park, stuck in traffic, yeah. getting a parking fine, all all of that fun <laughs> yeah. stuff, which happens yeah. when you've got to drive anywhere. So they're so much more relaxed. I feel like people are sometimes a little bit more open and honest with you right. when they're just in the comfort of their own home because they're in their home. Mm. And then, you know. I'm sitting in my kitchen right now, um, you know, if I'm doing a consult with someone and they're sitting in their kitchen, they can go, oh, I'll just grab that from the pantry and show you. And, um, you know, so if we're talking about, you know, which peanut butter do you use or, you know, whatever the, the product is that we're talking about, we can have a look at it. I can get them to look at the label. And then it, I think it really helps from an education perspective. Mm-hmm. And it means that I don't have to have an office filled with a bunch of different food products <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> give it two months and the packaging will have changed anyway. So, right. you know, I just, I just think it's a, it's a really good way to do things. And, you know, first to say that not every profession is lucky enough to be able to do sessions online. And there's some things that we can't do online. Uh, you know, I can't, weigh my client but you know you can jump on the scales yourself if you need to be weighed but not everybody needs that either so Mm. um you know and there's is workarounds for everything so um yeah I think feel really fortunate that we're able to do online consults and and that's an area of the business that's certainly grown um through COVID as well so yeah great yeah and so if you wanted to do any of those things, you want an online consult or you wanted to get that ebook, because I'm just very conscious of the fact that a lot of our listeners are fans, but then there's also a big proportion of them that are players, and so men and women, and, and they're all over yep. the world. So how would, what would be the best way for them to go about trying to find one of those ebooks or, or a way to can get you on the phone? Yeah, sure. Zoom. So, yeah, so um, if you head straight to the Health and Performance Collective website, which is healthandperformancecollective.com, um, and then you can either, you could just book straight in with one of the dietitians in our team. Um, I'm currently not seeing anyone because of, you know, baby number two, um, but <laughs> that will that will change soon, hopefully. Um, missing, missing my individual consults at the moment, <laughs> um, which, you know, if you'd asked me that a few years, a few years ago, I never thought I'd say that. But yeah, yeah. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
I'll be I'll be back to doing that soon. I haven't quite set a date for that at this point. Um, but yeah, head to the head to the website, and um, Jess or one of the other dietitians in our team can certainly help you out. They're they're all taking clients on at the moment. And if you would like to purchase one of the eBooks, um, head to the same website and hit shop, and um, you'll be able to find it there. I'll um I'll flick you the links of everything as well, Big T, and um, that makes yeah, it great. super easy. You can chuck it all in the show notes. So, yeah, that's exactly. Look at yeah. you. You're such a pro on the podcast. Because you guys have a podcast, I think, as well. I'd love to give that a plug, which is also great value and free if anyone's looking for uh, for value. If for whatever reason you're in a situation where a consult or an ebook's out of your reach, your socials yeah. are great. Your Instagram is great. Your uh, That podcast is great. All really helpful stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the, the podcast is called My Millennial Health. And um by the time this goes live, there should actually, I think our, I think the episode that's coming out in the next week or two is all about, it's high-performing nutrition habits and mm. I actually interviewed Jess and um, you'll get to hear a, a little fun, something that a player likes other than pizza that she'd have after the game for <laughs> every single game for one of the players at the Giants. So um, if you're interested wow. to learn what that was, you'll have to go and tune in. So, yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Chloe, this has been super interesting. I mean, particularly uh, stuff that I just didn't, I just kind of, I've been in and around football forever, but I just never really thought too much about it. So I'm really glad that you've helped me with some of those. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Also, thanks for supporting our NRLW series with this. It's so great to come in and, and be a partnership with you girls. We are um, such incredible and, and unutilized in the world of, rugby league podcasting part of dietitian so it's really great to, to pair yeah. that with um with whatever i'm pretending to do on my end yeah awesome oh thank you so much for having me on um, it's been really fun chatting to you and yeah looking forward to um to seeing what else you guys have got coming up with the series and hopefully the uh, eels and the nrlw also go really really well i've got a good feeling about it i think they're going to do well <laughs> <laughs>